0: Alright, right, First John chapter 5, let's go there. We are almost, I mean we are so close. I actually thought I might be able to finish First John today, but it's not going to happen. Unless you guys want to stay an extra hour, we could do that. But I thought y'all might not want to do that, so we're just going to do verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, and then we'll wrap First John up next Sunday. And then do you know what the following Sunday is? The following Sunday then is um, it, it is Reformation Sunday. All right, 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. That is, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that the blood of Christ has cleansed us from all of our sin. That, Lord, as your children, as your people, we can have the assurance that we have eternal life by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that we have an advocate with the Father so that, Lord, when we sin, we can confess our sin and we can know that you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you for that good news. And Lord, in that grace, we ask that you would empower us to walk just as you walk. To live in the light as you are in the light. That our lives would be a witness and a glory for you in the earth. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so here at the end of 1 John, uh, we looked last week as we, as we were... As we came to the end of the letter, John, throughout this letter, has been giving us assurance that we can know that we are children of God. We can know that we are in Christ, and we can know that Christ is in us. And in chapter 5, he says, I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you would continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And so, as we move in toward the very end of this letter, uh, John is writing now, and he is informing us and instructing us about prayer. About our expectation when we ask the Father. Now, we're also going to look at verses 16 and 17, which may seem... Um, kind of strange, where John is talking about uh, sin that doesn't lead to death and sin that leads to death. And we're going to talk about that. John is issuing a warning here to the church. And he's issuing a warning to false teachers. And this little letter was written in opposition to these false teachers who were really bringing destruction to the church. And so... As your pastor, we talk about this in our men's biblical eldership, the prime responsibility of an elder, of a pastor, is to guard the flock against false teachers. And this is what John is doing. And he's writing this letter, bringing strong opposition to these false teachers, warning them, but also warning the children of God not to follow after them, to live in a way that is honoring to God. And when we live in a way that's honoring God, we can know we have confidence with God and we have the assurance of eternal life. So we are to have confidence when we pray. Verse 14, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So when you ask God anything... You do realize that's prayer. Your communication with God, your communion with God is prayer. Now, there's different ways we pray, or there's different forms of prayer. We can pray about all kinds of things. And I don't want to, we're not, we're not teaching about all the different aspects of prayer, but just in a very basic way, I want you to understand when you communicate with God, when you talk to God, when you simply ask God, you are praying to the Lord. You're making your petition or your request to Him. And John says this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Our bold confidence in prayer comes from knowing that we have eternal life. That Those were the preceding verses. I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. And if we know that we have eternal life, John says there is, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That whatever we ask, anything we ask according to His will, He hears us. So our confidence is not only maintained, but our confidence is should grow as we continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So the language there is not we believe and we're one and done. Oh yeah, I believed in Jesus, I'm good. No. The language there is that we continue believing in Jesus. That we continue walking in Jesus. That we continue loving Him and loving one another, and we continue obeying His commands. And when we do that, John says you have confidence that when you ask anything according to God's will, He hears you. This is the confidence that we have in Him. Our assurance of eternal life comes from our love and obedience in Christ. As John reminded us in verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Our confidence in prayer will continue as we continue finding joy in doing God's will. Do you enjoy doing God's will? Do you find joy in doing His will? If you do, you have confidence. You are to have confidence that God hears your prayers because if you enjoy doing God's will and you seek to do God's will, that tells me that what you Pray to the Lord. What you ask the Lord, there is going to be a desire in you that that prayer, that that petition is going to be according to His will. And we can know there are some things really obvious. So there are things written in the Bible. You know, when you read this, you learn all kinds of things. If you don't read this, you you don't learn all kinds of things. And you live in ignorance. In the, and God says, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. So there is the knowledge of God in, in this book we call the Bible. And when we read it, it gives us very specific things that we should pray for, things we should do, things we shouldn't do. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of things that we don't need to pray about. If God has written it in his word, you don't have to pray about that He's already shown you what you should do, and so just obey and do those things. And so, there are a lot of things that we don't have to wonder whether we should pray or not, or wonder whether it is God's will or not, because God has revealed much to us in His Word that informs us what His will is. And John is saying that if we ask anything according to His will... This is the confidence that we have that God hears our prayer. So if we are joyfully walking in His will, we will have confidence in going to the Father in prayer. And that confidence means we go to the Father boldly, freely, frankly. We are to go to the Father openly and without ambiguity. In other words, we don't have to beat around the bush with God. We don't have to come to God timidly and it's like, God, I've got something I want to tell you, but I'm, I, I'm not sure that you're ready for this. Listen, the Bible says God knows what our need is before we even ask. God knows what's in your heart before you even realize what's in your heart. And sometimes people say, then what's the point of praying? Well, the point of praying is, for, number one, God gives us the privilege to be in communion with him. God gives us the privilege to be in relationship with Him. And and if you're in relationship with somebody, does that mean you never communicate with them? Does that mean you never talk to them? No, if you're in a relationship with somebody, that means you talk with them, you communicate with them, you fellowship with them. It's the same with God, and the more we talk to God, the more we communicate with God, the more we commune with God in His Word. In His Spirit in us illuminating that Word, the more we grow in our relationship and in our intimacy with God, the more we will be in tune with what God's will is. And so when we pray, when we ask the Father, and we know that we're asking according to His will, we have the confidence that He hears us. And this confidence, this word confidence, means exactly that, that we have a bold Confidence. We have courage. We're sure. We're not fearful. We pray to the Father. We come to Him in love. We love Him because He first loved us. We approach the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus and we do so in boldness and confidence because of God's love. God's love for us And our love for God. And because He first loved us, it was God who first poured His love into our heart and gave us the grace to actually love Him. So we come to the Father in prayer, openly, with bold assurance, and complete confidence in the relationship we have in Him through Jesus Christ. And thus John says, This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. This is the confidence we have in Him. We bring our requests before the Father and our will is His will. This is what John is implying here. That when we go to the Father and we pray anything according to His will, what John is implying is that Our will, when we pray to the Father, is consistent with the will of God. So our will is His will. We have the promise that God hears us when that is the way we pray to Him. So the words, according to His will. You know, some people don't like to pray, if it be your will, or according to your will. There's whole theologies built around this. Never pray that. Never say that. The words according to his will are not inserted here to provide an excuse for unanswered prayer. That's not why John put that in his letter. The point of according to his will is a point of submission, as our own will is to be in submission, surrendered to the will of God. And if our will is contrary to the will of God, and our desire is to be in God's will, I promise you God will reveal to you when your will is not not His. It's contrary to His. If your heart's desire is truly to be in God's will, and that's what you seek after in life, even if you think you're following God's will, God God will bring a correction. Because that's the love of God. The problem is very often is people aren't really seeking to be in God's will. They're looking for loopholes. So, if you read your Bible looking for loopholes, you're reading your Bible for the wrong reason. If you're always searching for loopholes to not obey God, can can I disobey God and still get away with it? Well, we just read at the end of this verse, verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. And it's an unrighteous thing to want to be outside of God's will. I know very often we may find ourselves and realize, wow, this is not what God wanted me to do. This is not the direction God wanted me to take. Or something has changed and I realize now I've got a revelation. God has shown me. And what do we do? The Spirit of God on the inside of us leads us back into the path of righteousness for his name's sake, whose namesake? For Jesus' name's sake. And so this is why we have the Holy Spirit in us to lead us and to guide us. And we're just fallible human beings. We fail all the time. But praise be to God for the Spirit of God in us that leads us and guides us and brings us back onto the path. Now, if we are being brought back onto the path, kicking and screaming, saying, No, God, I don't want to go. Your way, I want to go my way. Well, now that's a problem. That's sin. And when we get to verses 16 and 17, that could be sin, um, maybe not sin leading to death, but we're very clear that when we see a person like that, we need to pray for them. That they get delivered from that sinfulness and that unrighteousness and that they willingly, joyfully come back to the path, to the will that God has for them. So when God's will is not our will we are not abiding in faith and our prayers are not accepted when we are not doing those things that are pleasing in his sight we are not abiding in faith and we will not have confidence toward God so if you know you're in sin and you're going the opposite direction of God how confident are you going to be you're not going to be confident but if you are Striving, desiring to be in God's will. That's your heart's desire. And you're seeking God. And you're, you're joyfully obeying Him. Because that's, that's, that's the love of God in you. You have confidence in God when you go to Him. And if you don't know that, then this message is for you. You're to know that, that you have that confidence in God. The remedy, when we're not in God's will, when our will is not God's will, the remedy to restore our confidence in Him, when we stray from His will, is to turn back to God in repentance, to confess our sin, and then to know that He has forgiven our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And then we keep moving on. We tell the kids at KCCS, at Koinonia, when you fall down, what do you do, kids? Smile and keep on playing. Well, we could put it very simply just like that. Spiritually, when we fall down, smile and keep obeying. Just smile and keep obeying. Give it to God. Confess it to God. Know that God has forgiven you in your repentance and then keep obeying. Don't look back because when God forgives our sin, He cast it away. He's not remembering it. We're the ones remembering it. So when we've truly confessed, when we've truly repented and we believe what the Word of God says, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and we confess our sin to God. He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sin is gone. It's put away. So that's when we smile and we just keep obeying. We don't look back. We don't hold on to those things. 1 John 3, 21 and 22. John has already written something similar in his letter. He is repeating these things because he's trying, he's bringing this repetition because he wants us believers to get this, to understand this. Beloved, 1 John three twenty one. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And the only reason our heart would condemn us is if we're in sin or unrighteousness. If we're not in sin and unrighteousness, then our heart's not going to condemn us. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. If you are living to please God, you will have confidence toward God. And your heart is not going to condemn you. The confidence we have in asking the Father is knowing that we are walking in His will. It is in knowing that His love has been perfected in us And we are joyfully loving and keeping His commandments. And when we are walking in His will, abiding in faith, our prayers and our requests will be according to His will. And in this, we know that He hears us. That's good news. You never have to wonder if God hears your prayers. If you are joyfully pursuing Him, loving Him, Obeying him. Verse 15. We are to know if he hears us, then whatever we ask, we have. Listen to verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. That's a pretty profound and bold statement. Whatever we ask, we know that we have if we know that he hears us. This is a straightforward promise from God. We know God hears us when we ask according to His will. When God hears our prayers, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of Him. This is true, listen to me, this is true even when we do not see the answer to our prayers. Now that might seem contrary to you, but it's not. Do you think the only prayers God answers are the ones you see answered and the ones you know answered? You do realize that the vast, the overwhelming majority of our prayers are prayers that we will probably never see answered with our own eyes. Even when we pray according to the will of God, We most likely have a desired time, a desired method, a desired place involving the thing we are asking God. You tracking with me, understand what I'm saying? We, We don't offer our prayers up to God. We don't ask God void of our own desires and our own feelings. Every time you ask God something, there is a desire in you concerning what you're asking, concerning that prayer. When we pray, for instance, for our loved ones, we're praying for various members of this congregation who, who, barring a miracle from God, when you're given a cancer diagnosis, that's a terminal illness much of the time. And when we pray for those things, our desire is that God heal I was having this conversation with someone last night. When I pray for people that that need healing, every week, when we ask, do you you want prayer, do you need prayer? And we pray for healing. And it doesn't matter if it's a a lip ulcer or, or if it's cancer. When we pray, my desire is, God, answer now. Bring the healing now. I pray for someone that has cancer. My prayer is, God, heal them. And my desire is that God would heal them right then doesn't always happen that way. In fact, most often it does not happen that way. But I'll tell you, I've seen that. I've experienced that. Immediate healings. They may not be the rule, but you do realize that God can do anything He wants to do. There's nothing too difficult for God. So when we pray, when we ask of the Father, there is a desire in us we most likely have that desired time, that desired method, that desired place involving the thing we're asking. Immediate healing by God's unseen hand right now, right here in this place. That's what we're praying for, God. That's what I prayed for today. The promise is that we have whatever we ask. The promise is not that we have it exactly as we may desire it. Do you see the distinction is important. The timing of answered prayer belongs solely to the Lord. The method of answered prayer belongs solely to the Lord. Sometimes it's an unseen hand. Many times it is the hand of a doctor or the hand of somebody. But don't think that God is not involved in that. It is always His hand that is bringing healing. However it comes. So the method of answered prayer belongs solely to the Lord. And the place of answered prayer belongs solely to the Lord. This is why we must always be in submission to the Lord's will. I have a desire... But my desire may not be in concert with God's will, and God's plan, and God's purpose. Well, what am I going to do when my desire is not met? Am I going to get angry with God? Am I going to become bitter toward God because the prayer wasn't answered as I desired according to my time and my method and my place? Or am I going to surrender my desire and submit my will and my desires to God. Well, that's what, we, that's what we're supposed to do. And we're supposed to do it not begrudgingly. We're supposed to do it joyfully. Now, I didn't say that's always easy. But it is what we are commanded to do. This is why the Bible says, give thanks in all things and give thanks for all things. It's why Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, let me say it again just for emphasis, rejoice in the Lord. That's exactly what he writes. So when God does not answer the prayer according to my desire, it doesn't mean he's not answering the prayer. That doesn't change. Listen, we always have to be in submission to this reality that the when, the how, and the where of prayer belongs solely to the Lord. But that does not change the promise. And it should not change our confidence in Him. God's plan and purpose is very often different than our desired plan. God has His own time, His own way, His own place that He has chosen to answer our petitions and that will always be according to His eternal plan and purpose That is beyond our finite ability to understand. This is why Isaiah writes that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It is possible God's plan for healing. This has been the case with many of my loved ones that I have seen go to be with the Lord. Some very old, some way too young. It is possible God's plan for healing will be experienced beyond this earth and beyond these earthly bodies. God's plan for healing may be experienced in heaven. Does that mean that we did not receive what we asked? Or does it mean that God answered but not exactly as we desired? That is an important distinction for us to discern. And to submit ourselves to. I believe we should always pray with confidence. Freely and boldly. Asking God in faith for those things we bring to Him in prayer. Including our desires. We give it all to Him. We pray according to His will. Not as an excuse for unanswered prayer. But as a point of submission. We pray for and we pray believing His will be done. When He hears us. Whatever we ask, John writes, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. We are to believe this promise whether we see the answer now, later, or never. I'm going to say that again. We are to believe that promise whether we see the answer now, later, or never. Our own will in alignment with His will, makes for prayer that God hears. The confidence we have is that God hears us when we ask according to His will. If if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have that petition that we have asked of Him. We are to believe this promise. Believe it. It's God's Word. The confidence we have in prayer is not only for us, it's for one another. Now let's look at the last two verses here of our text. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that we should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. Now, we need to keep in mind the context of this letter. We need to keep in mind that Jesus promised that He would build His church. And that we as pastors and elders, but not just pastors and elders, but in fact all of us as Members of the church, as members of the body of Christ, all of us are to guard His church and to advance His kingdom. Our confidence in prayer is important as intercessors who bring our request to God on behalf of others. This is consistent with loving God. It's consistent with loving one another as we are called to be our brother's keeper. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain asked the question, am I, what, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. We are to pray for our brother in sin. This is what John says here. If you see your brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, then ask of the father that he would grant him life. Our confidence in prayer extends beyond us. Even to our brother we see sinning. John instructs us, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, he will ask God and God will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. That's pretty amazing. Now think about what John is writing here. We are to be watching out for our brothers and our sisters. And if we see our brother or our sister sinning a sin that does not lead to death, we're to ask God. And it says that God will, listen to this, God will give life, give him, give the person who asks, life for those who commit sin not leading to death. I see my brother sinning sin that doesn't lead to death, and I go to to the Father, and I say, Father, I'm asking for my brother that you deliver him from this sin that's leading to death. And God says, I'm going to grant you life for him. It's kind of amazing. I don't know, maybe it doesn't doesn't kind of blow y'all's mind, but it kind of blows my mind. And And it reveals how important prayer is that prayer is not just about us getting our wish list from God. Prayer is about how we function together as a body. Prayer is about how we are our brother's keeper. Prayer is about how we love our brother or our sister, so much so that when we see them sinning a sin that does not lead to death, that we go to our Father in heaven and ask on their behalf that God would give them life. And the Bible says when we do that, We're praying according to God's will and God promises that He will hear us and that He will answer that prayer. That's powerful. We should not just gloss over this and take this for granted. John is specifically addressing what we do in regard to prayer and petition when we see our brother or our sister sinning a sin that does not lead to death. When we see that brother sinning, we should pray. That's not necessarily all we should do. There's lots of instruction in the Bible about how we approach our brother, how we go to our brother, how we handle situations. But that's not what we're talking about right now. So understand that prayer is not necessarily all we should do, but I do believe it should be the first thing that we do. And God will give us further instructions as we pray, as we pray. Communicate and commune with him. God commands we pray for our brother we see sinning. We are to pray and we are to be confident in that prayer. Well, what if I don't ever see what happens to my brother? What if it's someone that I'm not in close contact with all the time? Then what should I think? You should think exactly what the Bible says. You should believe. That God heard your prayer and God will answer your prayer. And if you have doubt, then keep praying for your brother. Or, give it to God and trust Him. God will show you. He'll let you know what you need to do. How does this position, this is from the pulpit commentary on this verse. I liked what it said. How does this position respecting God's hearing our prayers affect the question of intercession for the salvation of others, and especially of an erring brother. If any prayer can be made with confidence of success, surely it is this. It is an unselfish prayer, a prayer of love. It is also a prayer in harmony with God's will, a prayer for the extension of His kingdom." In the book of Job, God instructed Job to pray for his three fi- friends who were very poor comforters. They were very good accusers, but they were very poor comforters. And in their folly, they spoke erroneous things about God. And God said to Job's friend, he said that he would accept Job and his prayer on their behalf. He said, "Here, let me read it to you, Job 42, eight. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up your, for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. That's kind of what John is telling us to do here. To pray for those brothers that we see in their folly who don't have the sense to repent. So you pray for them because I'll accept your prayer and grant them life. Grant you life for them. We see examples of this all through the scripture of intercession on behalf of God's people in their sin. Of course, the greatest example of prayer and intercession on behalf of sinners was seen in Christ. He is still making intercession on our behalf. We are to be like Christ, for He is our example. We are to pray for our brothers and our sisters. We see sinning a sin that does not lead to death. We are to pray for those prayers with confidence that He hears us and that He will grant life. Then here is the statement that everybody wonders about. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. What? Let me just say this. Please know this. If you are loving God, if you're loving one another, if you're joyfully striving to obey his commands, I want you to be certain that you are not committing the sin that leads to death. Okay? Remember the context of this letter. Is opposing those in the church who are actively attempting to lead others astray, as well as warning those who are being led astray. John is warning against false teachers who were antichrist and destructive to the church. And these false teachers were not seeking to advance the kingdom, but merely themselves. They were not building up the church, but seeking to tear it down. These false teachers had rejected the true Christ, remember? Jesus was just a mere man upon whom the Christ consciousness came. That's what they taught. No, Jesus is the Christ, the eternal Christ. These false teachers had rejected the true Christ and were promoting a doctrine that was anti-Christ. And John, in reference to these anti-Christ, said in chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. The sin that leads to death is the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 31. It is the sin of rejecting Christ and opposing the one and only Son of God whom the Spirit testified. So when we reject Christ, we reject the testimony of the Spirit. Obviously, Some of these false teachers had crossed the line in the sin that leads to death. And John is instructing that when we see that, we are not to pray for that. I promise you, that would be very surprising to a lot of people who have been Christians for 5 years or 50 years. Who do not read the scripture. Listen to Jeremiah 7.16. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry of prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Or Jeremiah fourteen eleven through 12. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine by the pestilence. Those are strong words. Those are, that is the word of the Lord. That's what God said through the prophet Jeremiah. Those who commit sin leading unto death are not those who are simply blind and dead in their sin. It's not those who are just, who are just ignorant and uninformed, as we like to say. It is all sinners, all people opposed to God are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. But not all of them are in the same place as these that John is talking about here. Those who commit sin leading to death are the false teachers who are actively promoting false teaching with the intent to lead men away from the truth. This is the context John is writing here. Yes, they are deceived, but they have deceived themselves by suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. But it's not just the false teachers, it's also those who follow them. Those who followed them are lost because they are going away from Christ. God has turned them over to delusion. 2 Thessalonians 2.11 And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Their pleasure was not in the truth. Their pleasure was not in righteousness. Their pleasure was in unrighteousness. And God, the Bible says, turned them over to the delusion. These are those who did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They did not receive it from God, and they did not receive it when it was preached and proclaimed by men. They are accursed. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O oh, come, O oh, Lord, come. That word accursed is anathema. It means they're gone. They're not known to God. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, what? What is the characteristics of those who love the Lord Jesus? Exactly what John writes in his letter. They find joy In doing His will. They love God. They love one another. They live a life that's pleasing to Him. If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to live that life. And what Paul is saying here is just very simply, those who do not love Jesus are living contrary. They're living anti-Christ. A life Consistent with those who are anti Christ. Now, I just want to say this. We should be very careful in this. John's not writing this so that we can go around and try to figure out who's sending a sin unto death and who's not. That's not the point. The point is, we need to understand there is a sin that leads to death, but there's also a sin that doesn't lead to death. We should not dismiss people out of hand who we think are in sin. When we see our brother or our sister sinning, we are commanded to pray for them. And we're commanded to, in humility, go to them. When we see our brother, that is what the Bible, the Scripture commands us to do. It's not a thing we should ever take lightly when it comes to praying or not praying for someone we see in sin. Our first rule is to always pray unless God has specifically instructed other. If we cannot discern the difference, then keep praying because God will bring the discernment you need. But I would just encourage you not to to, to worry about what is and what isn't. Just love God. Obey God. Love one another and you won't have to worry about what the sin unto death is and what it's not because you'll never enter into it as long as you're loving Jesus. Then Paul, the very last verse, all unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. I will encourage you to pray for one another, especially those you see in sin, because the Bible tells us to do that. I would also encourage you not to try to figure out who has or who has not committed that sin leading to death. God knows that and when we need to know, then God will prompt us and reveal such to us. The good news is that when we sin, we have a we, and when we are convicted of our sin, we know that conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. That conviction of sin is proof that we have eternal life. And so we can be confident that when we go to God in prayer for ourselves or for others, He hears us. When we confess our sin to God, He is faithful, He is just to forgive our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we joyfully love and obey We will always have confidence as we go to the Father in prayer. That he hears us and that he will grant our petition according to his will. That is good news. In the table we come to every week, we come to this table because Jesus has made a way for us by his blood to come to the very throne of grace. And we don't come to this table because we're perfect people who never make mistakes or only occasionally. We come to this table as forgiven sinners. It's a table of thanksgiving and every week we come, we are thanking God for the forgiveness that He has given to us in Jesus Christ. And not just forgiveness, but He has given us access An open way to the very throne of grace. To commune with Him. To fellowship with Him. For ourselves and for one another. It's a glorious thing. So as you trust in Jesus. As you love the Lord Jesus. Christian, welcome to the table. Let's all stand. In the verses preceding These we looked at today up in the fourth chapter. John writes this, And this love has been perfected, that in the day of judgment we have boldness, for as He is, so are we in this world. And if we have boldness in the day of judgment, surely we have boldness, we have confidence, as we go to the Lord in prayer. So our charge is to be confident In our prayer. Be confident. But don't be presumptuous. Confidence is not opposed to humility. But presumption is. Presumption is prideful. Presumption is what the false teachers. Were engaged in. We come to God in humility. Surrendered and submitted. To his will. In love. Confident that he hears us. And that whatever we ask of him. We have when we ask according to His will. God commands us to pray, even to pray without ceasing, being ever mindful of Him and the way He has made for us to come to the very throne of grace. We need men and women to pray as never before. We need the church. We need Christ Fellowship Church to commit to pray and to seek God's face for the healing of our land. For our brothers and our sisters who need our intercession on their behalf. That God would grant them life. And so bring healing and wholeness to His church, to our land. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a blessed day.